you must give everything to make your life as beautiful as the dreams that dance in your imagination. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan. The quote that you just heard is that by Roman Payne. And this quote falls on December 3rd, which is the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. And it's a day for us to recognize many things. Many, many, many things. And a lot of those kinds of feelings that we have in general, where in your life you feel like, hmm, is life really worth celebrating, worth recognizing? And this quote really spoke to me in that way because we are talking about me, you, people in our lives, in my life, in your life, around the world, past, present, still to come, some of those days feel very hard. We grieve, we yearn, we take step backwards, we fight, we march, sometimes we sit aside and we allow. Um, A lot of the times we regret and resent and don't feel like it's worth the fight. It's exhausting and it's overwhelming if you feel lost, not good enough, in pain, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. You feel alone and like you can't make it. Sometimes it's difficult to tell ourselves that we can reach something, whatever it may be. But today we are recognizing because we need to celebrate celebrate the people before us, the people who've paved their ways, the people whose shoulders we stand on. And those people with disabilities, they've dreamt, they've connected with each other. And through this day, we're going to do the same. We're learning from each other with one another. And that is huge to think about from all the steps that everybody has taken and that you and I are taking right now to move forward. So there's work being done somewhere by somebody, by you and I, to give everything we've got to make our lives as beautiful as the dreams that dance in our imaginations. So thank you for that quote and for this time. Now let's take a quick look at the Sela Home page. The three featured titles up there right now are Black Waterfalls by Ozma Zihana Khan. This is a police procedural fiction. We also have Artificial Divide by Robert Kinjet. This is an anthologies. And the third one up there is Love from Mecca to Medina by S.K. Ali. And this is a family stories. It's also a contemporary romance. And it's great to have such diverse titles up there as we think about diversity on a bigger picture scenario. It's great to have these three titles up there. And they've been up there for a while, so you can still check them out as soon as you go to celalibrary.ca. 
We're also going to be checking in with our friends from SELA today. Karen and Teresa are joining us to talk about some feature titles that they've picked, some favorites, and some quirky renditions on Christmas titles. We also have literary news we're going to keep you posted on. So that is what's coming up on AMI Audiobook Review. You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review on AMI-audio or as a podcast on your favorite podcast platform, a new episode weekly. I'm your host, Ramya Amuthan, and this time of the month, which is, of course, the start of the month, we check in with our friends from the Center for Equitable Library Access. Karen McKay and Teresa Power join us. We start off with some literary news, and then we get into some featured titles. Teresa is the content and access librarian, and Karen is the communications manager. So, Karen, as always, we'll start with you because tons of literary uh, awards were handed out or announced or I don't know if people got their cash yet, but things are going on. So let's start with that. And you will kick us off with Governor General's uh, Literary Awards. Yeah, so November is a big awards month, and one of the biggest ones is the Governor General's Literary Awards. So they do seven awards in each of French and English languages, so tons of awards get handed out. But we have some of the sort of the bigger name ones. So the fiction winner in English for this year was Pure Color by Sheila Hetty. And it's a very sort of interesting book. It's about the exploration of the wonderful and terrible aspects of being alive. That's one of the book jacket blurbs. The nonfiction book was won by Eli Baxter, and he won for his memoir, which is called Aki Wan Z. And it explores the history and the science and the math, education, philosophy, law, and spiritual teachings of uh, the cultural significance of the language to the Anishinaabe identity. So that's a really interesting, wide-ranging book. And then another one we have in our collection is The Young Adult Winner, and that was won by Jen Ferguson, for her young adult novel, The Summer of Bitter and Sweet. And it's about a young Métis girl. She's living on the Canadian prairies. And it's all about what happens when she gets a letter from her biological father, who she really did not want to have contact with. She'd hoped that he'd stay behind bars for the rest of his life. And so it's the impact of what happens after she gets that letter. So if folks are interested in seeing what other books were on the shortlist for these, we have them up on our awards page, and it's a great place to go and start looking for book suggestions and the winners are noted so you don't have to be madly trying to catch the winners on this this piece but you can go and find it on our awards page now these books um the ones that won obviously or otherwise from the shortlist obviously i'm wondering if this is uh very looked at by the general public um it is so the governor general's awards i i think and Teresa can maybe pop in here too. I think they're a little more esoteric. They're, you know, they often have recognizable names, but some of the books can be a little more quirky. The Scotiabank Giller Prize, which we're going to talk about next, tends to be um, sort of a more kind of commercially safe kind of bet. But there's there's definitely an impact on um, the the sales of books if for award winners. The, the CBC posts a, a blog every week about the most purchased books and whenever there's an award it bumps up that the titles to the top of the the most purchased books list so I think it's really valuable to the readers aside or sorry to the authors aside from just the the prize money which is not insignificant the governor generals gets $25,000 for the winners and the Scotiabank is $100,000 so it's not jump change wow okay Mm -hmm. 
And Teresa, was there anything you wanted to add to that for, you know, the general public and these mm-hmm. books? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely speak to uh, The Summer of Bitter and Sweet, for example, which is um, a fantastic YA book that I read myself. And, I mean, that was not just nominated and um, has won the GGs. You'll be seeing that on other lists as well. Uh, it's been nominated for the Forest of Reading, which has a, a really wide um, uh, reader fan base um, of kids who, who read and vote for that. And I'm sure you'll also be seeing it on, you know, bestseller lists as well. So I think, you know, in, in that specific case that I, I know that there is there's going to be a wide um, a wide array of people who are, are going to be looking and reading uh, that book. But mm-hmm. I mean, I can also say that I think for for a lot of these books, often get um, cross nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not just GG books, but they're also bestseller books, um, and find themselves on on other um, award lists as well. Yeah, I mean, some of these awards have been around for so long, and uh, you know, huge accolades when you are shortlisted uh, are the winner of. But you know, it definitely made me curious on how many of these things we follow, um, aside from the other mm-hmm. ways that we check out how books are reviewed, right? So let's keep going to Scotiabank. So the Scotiabank Giller Prize winner was announced in early November, and it was won by Suzette Marr. She won $100,000 for her novel, The Sleeping Car Porter. This is her sixth novel, and it follows the story of Baxter, who's a queer, black sleeping car porter. And when a mudslide happens and strands the train, he must contend with all of his white passengers and also uh, his secret love affair. So this, I think, is a really important book. It brings to life part of black history in North America from the perspective of a, a man who's both black and queer. And so he's invisible in, in multiple ways. And so it's, I think it's a really, uh, although it's written in the past, it's a really timely story for, for you know 2022. I'm not surprised. This one won the Giller. So that's fantastic. And we have it in our collection of course Mm -hmm. um yeah and then there's two other ones that i wanted to just bring to your attention so one is the evergreen award and that's one of the forest of reading awards which Teresa just referenced Uh, but this one's for adults so mary lawson won this for her novel a town called solace which is a really beautiful story about how three characters from very different generations come to know and love and support one another And as Teresa mentioned before, a lot of these books are cross-referenced. So this book was also on the 2021 Booker Prize long list. Um, And what I really love about the Evergreen Award is that because it's part of the Forest of Reading program, readers are the ones that pick it. It's a reader's choice kind of program. So readers read from a selected list of short books, shortlisted books, which the uh, library communities picked out and then they vote for their favorites over several months so they're it's a it's a great program because you're reading books that other people around you are reading at the same time and then you're voting there's opportunities to discuss them at library programs and that sort of thing so that was the evergreen and then the last one i wanted to bring to your attention was the toronto book award and that was won by sarah Polly, who people may know she was a she's a a childhood actor she's a filmmaker and a director and this is her first book so it's a memoir it's called run towards the danger and she wrote this after having a debilitating concussion and she was working with a therapist who said that she basically had to run towards what was triggering her post-concussion symptoms mm. and so she took that and she sort of applied it to her life and she applied it to her memories and the things that were troubling her and so the the collection is six essays and they 
touch on everything from uh, a high-risk childbirth situation to stage fright. Uh, and it's really sort of a conversation about what is memory, what is true, what is reality, uh, and how do we face all those things that weigh so heavily on us. So it's she's brilliant, and the book is brilliant. That is amazing, and especially with today being... Uh, well, the, the day of the release of the podcast being the International Day of Persons with Disabilities mm-hmm. um, and that kind of having to give it all you got, right, being the, the theme of our yeah. intro too, is so, so significant on a day like today and the kind of recognition and what better re- way to recognize than to read something like this. Exactly. And it's a, it's a fabulous book. So, And I think it sort of speaks to the idea that even if we aren't necessarily um, born with a disability, there's a high percentage, I can't remember the, the percentage, but that at some point we will have experience being disabled in some way or another. And so, yeah. you know, on a day like today, for example, the fact that she she wasn't and then she went through this terrible experience and it was debilitating for her uh, and the things that she learned out of it were just phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. That sounds excellent as a recommendation. And we're going to keep going with recommendations because though we're a couple weeks away from official holiday time, um, there are some great Christmas titles that you have that are either new in general or new to the Sila collection. So let's talk about those. Teresa, what's the first one you want to highlight? So the first one I want to talk about is called Christmas Past. The Fascinating Stories Behind Our Favorite Holidays Traditions is by an author um, named Brian Earle. And if you're looking for, you know, a light read, something that you can digest a bit of at a time when you have a chance over the holidays, because the holidays can be quite busy with family obligations, you know, then I think that this is a perfect book for you. Um, the Fascinating Stories Behind Our Favorite Holiday Traditions reveals the surprising, quirky, mysterious, sometimes horrifying, because who doesn't like horrifying over mm-hmm. the holidays as well, <laughs> horrifying stories uh, behind the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, the book consists of 26 short chapters covering ancient and modern traditions, criminal capers, and even the hidden connections between Christmas and broader social economic and technological influences Uh so questions like how did the invention of the plate glass forever change the christmas season is answered (laughs) in this book what common christmas item helped introduce fine art to the masses Uh why do americans typically spike their eggnog with rum rather than what would have been traditional at that time brandy i've always wondered yeah and speaking of booze does using the phrase merry christmas bark you as a drunken reveler so christmas past answers all of these questions and many more we are gonna really get to know ourselves and those around us with this book aren't we i think so i think it's it's a lot of fun and i like the idea that you know it's short stories so you can read one um one at a time and um, yeah, just have like a lot of fun learning all these weird, quirky, and possibly totally horrifying things over yeah. over Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> like how horrifying it is that all these years I've been saying "Merry Christmas" and not realizing what it really deeply yes. meant. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that you should fast forward to that chapter first. That's right. <laughs> Might as well tell us right now what chapter that is. Anyway, so <laughs> 
we'll keep going. So that's the first um, available on Sila. Karen, what else is up there? So I picked another kind of quirky one. This one is Sherlock Holmes and the 12 Thefts of Christmas. <laughs> so it's written by Tim Major. It's new this year. He's a, a fantasy writer. Um, so this book is sort of sort of a play on fan fiction, I think. So it's set in December 1890, and it opens with Sherlock Holmes receiving a gift of two theater tickets, ostensibly from his former client, Matthew Jockus, and it's who was a dishonest jeweler who refused to pay uh, Sherlock Holmes, despite him having cleared Jockus from a, a forgery charge. So Holmes' suspicion is the tickets didn't really come from him, and that actually turns out to be true. Holmes goes to the theater, and he there, while well, he's there, he discovers a mysterious musical score, and that sort of begins a battle of wits with a, a woman by the name of Irene Adler. And the battle of the wits takes the the form of these series of very odd thefts that are really kind of like a theft without a theft. Uh, for example, she steals a worthless plaster statue from the British Museum, but then she hides it back in the room where it was taken from. So uh, while this is all happening, Holmes's new client, who's a Norwegian explorer, his name is Fridjof Nassen, uh, is being harassed by someone who's left a dozen dead animals on his doorstep over the course of oh. eight months, both in his native country and in uh, his place in England. So the reader's kind of left wondering, could these gifts be uh, really from a strange spirit that's pursued Nassen since he completed his expedition in Greenland? Uh, is it somehow related to Irene Adler? So the major, the author, has this great ability to build suspense, and he devises really intriguing puzzles. He uses Easter eggs, literary Easter eggs, which um, are these sort of bits of action or pieces of dialogue, which are kind of hidden in the story and which some readers may get right on the first go. Some of them are obscure uh, and some of them are sort of more well-known, but they kind of provide this fun extra layer of this book. Anyway, the reviews for this have been quite fun. Uh, one of them was that it was refreshingly out of the ordinary. So if you're not interested in reading, you know, a Hallmark-type romance story, this one might be for you. Okay. I mean, I like it. I like how there's these random bits of... I'm watching Better Call Saul right now, so it feels like uh, the Kim-Saul situation, you know, yeah. they're, they're just kind of pulling pranks for pulling pranks' sake. But then there's this serious other thing going on. Um, interesting. Have you known this writer through other books? Yeah, there's a few. I meant to check and see how many we have um, in our collection of his his writers, or of his books, rather. He does some YA content. I don't know if Teresa knows off the top of her head if we've got other ones of his in our collection. I believe, now don't quote me on this, I believe that this is the third book in this kind of Sherlock, this new Sherlock um, home stories that this author has done. Mm. And I believe we have the other ones as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it seems fun. And I, I do like this kind of, you know, mismatched with all the traditional stuff. We have stuff where you're like, no, this is not Christmassy at all, but read it during the holidays kind of thing. Um, Teresa, what's your next pick? Well, I'm kind of uh, remiss to talk about this now because Karen kind of poo-pooed the Hallmark <laughs> stories. <laughs> That's all right. There's enough Hallmark okay. letters out there. We know it. So I, I, I did want to talk about, uh, it's a contemporary romance book and contemporary romances are, there are a plethora, let me tell you, of them. Yeah. Um, uh, being published these days, it's like one in three books I I. I purchased maybe a contemporary romance. So um, this one I wanted to talk about is called Kiss Her Once for Me by Alison Cochran. And 
it's your classic heartwarming holiday tale. You know, if that's your thing, uh, I think many people enjoy that. They love the Hallmark. Um, you know, this is this is a great book for, for them. So the book follows a character. Her name is Ellie Oliver. One year ago, she had this dream job and she had a Christmas Eve um, meet up with a very cute woman at a bookstore, of course, at a bookstore. Um, but something happened the next morning. There is a betrayal that I, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the book. Uh, so this betrayal happens and then she loses her job and she finds herself very desperate for money. So she finds work at a local coffee shop and she's just getting through the days, you, you know, like, day by day and it's not really going that well until Andrew who is the shop's landlord proposes a marriage of convenience that will alleviate Ellie's financial woes and isolation but when Andrew introduces his new fiance to his sister Ellie is shocked to discover that it is Jack the mysterious woman that she fell for over the course of one magical Christmas Eve the year before Aww. Yeah, even my yeah. cold heart kind of loves that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something very well, we magical haven't... about the holidays, and, and you know, books like this I think are are perfect for for that time of year. I at least one, at least, at least, at least one. one. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and and here's the thing: I feel like uh, marriages of convenience should be its own genre because. <laughs> Everything that I'm running into these days with rom-com or romance or YA is some kind of marriage of convenience proposal, you know, or like this kind of let's fake it for this reason. I think we should petition to get it as an official genre for libraries. You guys can start it up on (laughs) Sila. I'll get right on it. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Uh, Karen, we have one more book that we can send people with. um, And I'm loving the variety, by the way. There's there's something in here for everybody during the holidays. Well, that was our hope. So this one is not a new book. It is Letters from Father Christmas by J.R. Token. But we got a new uh, human narrated version in just in the last couple of months. And so I just wanted to bring this one back up. This is one of my favorites. So for folks who don't know, it's a collection of letters written by St. Nicholas or Nicholas Christmas to the Token children. The letters were penned by Token in the 1920s and 30s. And they introduced the children to the North Polar Bear and his helpful role as Father Christmas's assistant in preparing for the great Christmas delivery. So Tolkien actually took the letters that his children wrote to Father Christmas and he references those in the letters that he sends oh, back to wow. them. Yeah, it's really beautiful. So um, he, you know, in the course of these letters, he explains how he came to choose some of the presents that appeared in their stockings. And each year he adds new characters and there's sort of new antics. So one year he's trying to sort out, Father Christmas is trying to sort out all the world's presents, but Polar Bear and his friends are are making a mess of it. They're having all kinds of fun. So it's a lovely, whimsical, kind of lighthearted book. But he also uses the stories to reflect what's going on in the world. So uh, during the 20s and 30s, obviously, there was um, the World War, there was the Depression. And so Mm -hmm. he talks about those things in ways that are very child uh, friendly, very age appropriate, very gentle, but he sort of uses the letters to to create some understanding in his children about the sacrifices that some of those situations required. And he teaches his children about things like the importance of giving through these letters as well. 
what I love about these stories is that you can really see how much he loved his children, how much thought and care he put into their um, their upbringing. It really kind of shines through in these letters. And the letters are gifts to his children, uh, but because they also showcase all the, the amazing imagination and his storytelling skills, his inventive languages, they're really gifts to all of us. So the, the book ends when the last letter... Uh, the last year that Token's children uh, don't send a letter. He sends one to Priscilla, who's the youngest child, in 1943, um, saying that they'll always be friends, even though she didn't send him a letter this year, which I just, it just makes me cry. Um, But yeah, it's just a beautiful collection of stories. It doesn't take long to read. It's about an hour, almost two hours. um, And you can sort of just read the letters individually, just when you want to kind of escape into the, kind of true meaning of Christmas. It's a beautiful yeah. I love this so much. I'm so glad we're wrapping with this one because it's true. Like there are all these ways that we recognize the holidays and celebrate and and do what we most feel comfortable with and spend that quality time with our friends and family. But then there's all these other, you know, hard, difficult things going on around us, around the world, that um, it's easier to just kind of close our eyes and say, okay, but let's enjoy the holidays. But to say that, let's bring that, bring that aspect and perspective to this, but do it in such a, as you mentioned, a gentle way is so beautiful. I'm so glad. Thank you so much, the both of you, uh, for all these suggestions and recommendations. And we can find all four of the featured titles on the SELA library as well c-e-l-a library.ca karen and Teresa will chat with you in the new year thanks so much have a wonderful holiday season you too karen mccain Teresa power of the center for equitable library access and that wraps up today's episode of ami audiobook review until the next week happy audiobook listening The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.